Hello, star babes, and welcome back to another episode of Starstruck Radio. My name is Rina Sengupta. I am your host for this podcast and the creator, the astrologer behind Starstruck Astrology, which is a sub-community underneath Urban Buddha. Wow, this past week. (laughs) We have a lot to process. I know that we have been in the ringer of this final eclipse in Scorpio. But before we dive into all of that juiciness, I would absolutely love if you take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already, to leave a five-star review with a little love note, tell me what you're enjoying about this podcast, what you want to hear more of. It helps so many more people to find this community and get the resources they need so that we can all live in our alignment our destined path that's guided cosmically with ease, right? Because it can get really confusing. It can get really overwhelming along the way. And that's the point of this podcast is to give you all the technical details so you have words to put to your feelings, but also to just get vulnerable on here with you, human to human. We are not meant to just be robots that respond to these transits and immediately shift with them, right? Like we have a porous and emotional body so it takes time for us to feel and to process but it's from that gift as humans that we have that we really are able to transform to connect so that's what that's what this space is for i also want to say i feel like it's no coincidence another eclipse another late podcast if you listen to these right when they come out you may have noticed that this podcast did not come out on sunday may 7th but it's coming out on monday may 8th and during the last eclipse the same thing happened and i explained in that episode that you know of course i like felt bad and didn't feel exactly like my best self getting the podcast out on time but also a huge pillar of this podcast is vulnerability, is just humanness. And here I am again, (laughs) being a little human, being a little late. Um, So thank you for your graciousness with that. And I'm sure that many of you also just felt during the eclipse that you needed to put a lot on pause and just pull your processing to the front line. And that's absolutely what I did. And I honestly have zero shame around it. Like I think last eclipse, the one that we had in Aries around April 20th, I knew that, you know, deprioritizing some technical and some business things wasn't the wrong choice, yet I still had a lot of discomfort and shame around it. But this last eclipse in Scorpio I really deprioritized the things I needed to prioritize to enjoy the emotional processing, to enjoy the self-care. And the lesson it really taught me, this final moment in Scorpio, is that a lot of times we think the inner work is really hard and dark and... I'm, I don't have the words exactly for it, but laborious, laborious, like, oh, I have to clear all this off my plate and process these emotions and, oh, 
And what I really learned in this final eclipse is that when we stop shaming ourselves for actually needing to process, the processing gets really, really fun and joyful. And the processing just becomes about living and knowing yourself. And the way that I spent time processing during this last eclipse was going on a lot of walks, listening to a lot of music, carving out chunks of time to actually be creative with no hyperfixation on the result, just creative to be in devotion to flow state. And as we kick off this episode, I can imagine that many of you might still be feeling the stickiness of the eclipse. And in these final moments of you processing the energy, do it with joy. Do it with zero shame. And I guess we're just going to start off this episode diving right into the eclipse. So what the hell happened last week? Let me give you the technical details. We had the full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio. And it was on May 5th at 1.34 p.m. Eastern. May 5th was, I believe, Friday. Yeah, Friday. And this eclipse was wildly significant because eclipses happen in seasons that spread over 18 months-ish. And once every... I think it's six months, we have an eclipse season. But within those eclipse seasons, there's an eclipse chapter. So the eclipse chapter is of the south node being in Scorpio and the north node being in Taurus. And they are always in opposite signs. Within that chapter of the Taurus-Scorpio eclipses, we had about three seasons that were six months apart from each other and this last eclipse in Scorpio that we had on May 5th was the final eclipse in Scorpio of the Scorpio Taurus chapter and this is wildly significant because the south node is what we are karmically releasing the north node is where we are karmically evolving and so as, as humans, as a collective, we have a 18 or so months to sit with releasing karma from one sign, and that sign's archetype, and evolving karmically into the equal and opposite sign. So for the last year and a half, we've been releasing Scorpio. We've been releasing secrets. We've been calling manipulation tactics out onto the table. I think about obviously like politics for me is the first thing that comes to mind. But I also think about the word gaslighting. Like I've heard a lot of conversations recently about how gaslighting wasn't even part of our vocabulary a few years ago. And now it's this really common explanation for a very complex manipulation pattern that many especially women and people of color or sexual 
orientation or preference are targeted by. And I was listening to this podcast that was just explaining how like, you know, 10 years ago, all of this was happening and it was so hard to advocate for ourselves because we literally didn't have a word to explain what was happening. And now we do. And when I hear that, I immediately think of South Node Scorpio, right? Because Scorpio and its shadow can be manipulative. So we shed that as a collective. Not completely. (laughs) Absolutely. Not saying that it's perfect. But we have evolved there. We have karmically evolved there to shed a shadow. And then if we look at the North Node in Taurus... This one is complex because honestly, I have really high hopes in this area, but the North Node in Taurus is about healing our financial systems and our work systems so that we can be in better sustainability and harmony with the earth. And I think it's that last line where I'm like, "Mm, I'm, I don't want to say disappointed, but I really can't help but see how much more karma we have to move through there as a collective. But if we just look at those first two pieces, changes in financial systems, cryptocurrency became so mainstream. I'm even thinking about the GameStop event. That is such a historical kind of uprising in terms of financial hierarchy. And then I also think about NFTs, which is, to me, the most Taurus, because Taurus is about beauty and grace and the arts. And so, of course, when the North Node is in Taurus, a form of financial exchange is done through art, literal art. So collectively, those have been the karmic assignments and processings for the last year and a half. And it's been intense. Scorpio and Taurus can both be pretty intense signs. So when we're moving karmic energy there, it's intense. This last eclipse in Scorpio really went out with a bang. It really brought up everything hiding in the depths to clear it one last time. And I know a lot of you had super challenging eclipses And if you did, I want you to know that that was one big final clearing. I think especially as we're at the end of the Scorpio-Taurus axis, it's so easy to feel like it's been going on forever and things are just never going to get easier and it just seems to always be heavy and there always seems to be something. And I want you to know that like that was one last final big wave from your depths is there still going to be inner work to do absolutely is there still going to be stuff that comes up unexpectedly yes but the nature of it is going to shift and we needed that last purge to allow us to fully shift with all this present last week we also had pluto retrograde and i don't think a lot of people realize a lot of what they were feeling that they thought was the eclipse was also because of Pluto retrograde. 
And I mentioned in last week's episode how since Pluto is a planet that's further away from Earth, we don't experience its retrograde as intensely, especially because Pluto is retrograde a majority of the time. It's like equal parts retrograde and direct versus, say, Mercury, which goes direct and then it goes retrograde and then it goes direct and then it goes retrograde like four times throughout a year. Pluto is direct half the year and then retrograde half the year. So we don't really like get so exhausted by its retrograde. However, I do notice that when Pluto shifts from direct to retrograde or vice versa, we really feel that shift because we are shifting gears that we will be in for a long time. It's like we're almost like about facing. <laughs> You're like turning on our heels. That's the visual I'm getting. And it can be a little dizzying. There can be a little bit of whiplash there. This Pluto retrograde was especially mm, felt because Pluto is the planetary ruler of Scorpio. And we had the eclipse in Scorpio. So all of this plutonic, scorpionic energy was shifting. But in the shift, in the transformation, that's where the alchemy lies. That's where the magic happens, is in the shift. And so I really, again, think it's such a beautiful layering that we had Pluto retrograde and the Scorpio eclipse in the same week because it basically... The universe was like, let's take everything under this larger archetype. Let's take the sign of Scorpio and let's take its planetary ruler of Pluto and let's shift some energy here so that all of this energy can get turned one last final time, like I said. When Pluto goes retrograde, just to explain a little bit what it is, so that happened on um, May 1st at 108 p.m. Eastern. And that time is significant to me too because 108 is a sacred number in yoga. It's the number of the journey to enlightenment. And when Pluto goes retrograde, transformation in the world goes from external to internal. And so a lot of the in- internal intensity many of you felt during this eclipse was that shift of inner transformation. I definitely felt it. And sometimes inner transformation is the most profound transformation. I'm getting this visual. Have you all ever felt like um, maybe you start a new job or you move into a new house or something like Very clearly external happens, but the internal has yet to catch up. And so it feels just kind of weird. That's evidence of how like external change actually doesn't super have impact. Does it change our lived experience? Absolutely. Especially when acclimated to, especially when we get the inner transformation to match the external change. But inner transformation is so much bigger and more meaningful and more profound than any external shift. And when Pluto went retrograde on May 1st, we we felt that intensity and that profoundness. And I'll share personally for me with this Pluto retrograde, I felt the inner transformation of finally trusting, 
finally being open, finally realizing I didn't need to fixate and control. And as I say this, there's like a piece of me inside that's like, oh my gosh, you're not even scratching the surface of what that inner transformation was. Like when I say those words, it sounds so simple. And there's a piece of me that's like, it was so much more profound than that, but so profound, I don't even know what words I would use. It's like, it can only come out in art because there's no words to explain that inner shift I felt of trust, of acceptance, of openness, of believing that good things are inevitable on my path as long as I am just myself, of releasing control because of how much I believed that truly. So if this eclipse was an especially hard one for you or the opposite, if you're like, whoa, everyone's talking about this eclipse, but I don't, I haven't really felt anything too crazy. I want everyone to check in and be like, what was the inner transformation that unfolded? Also in this week, we had Pallas entering Leo And this is significant. I want to bring it up because the eclipse had a square to Lilith and Leo. And that eclipse's square to Lilith and Leo was telling us to clear shame from what we thought was too extravagant. From what needs our inner child has that we've been shutting down because we think it's too loud or too flamboyant or too excessive or too dramatic. This eclipse was like, hey, you got to face this. You got to face this and accept that this is actually what you desire. This is actually what you need in order to step into your light. And Since we had Pallas also entering Leo, Pallas is the asteroid of creativity and artistry and intuitive intelligence. And so as soon as we went through the fire of that kind of frustration or angst or anxiety that the square to Lilith and Leo was bringing up, and we actually accepted what our desires are, what our needs are, even if they seemed a little extravagant, even if they seemed a little bold, then suddenly we got this wash of creativity. We got this wash of artistry. We got this wash of it really coming from a place of playfulness, but knowing that playfulness and intelligence can can coexist, can operate with each other. I think so often we think like, oh, if we're playing, then it just has to be meaningless and silly and not serious and if we're being intelligent then it has to be serious and strict and like process and this palace and leo combined with the square that the eclipse had to lilith and leo is like hey these two These two are very real to intertwine together and it's very important you let them work together. Okay, and then the last thing from last week that I want to call forward and acknowledge to help you process is that Sirius on May 6th 
went direct in the sign of Virgo. And the reason why I really want to emphasize this is because it follows a very similar theme to what I was just saying in Leo. But with Sirius going direct in Virgo, it's much more pinpointed around our needs. Sirius going direct was like, okay, for the last few months while this asteroid has been retrograde, you have been getting in touch with the specific nature of your needs. The naming down to like the pin exactly how things can best serve you. And when Sirius went direct on Saturday, May 6th, it was like, okay, time to, time to act. Time to time to lean into those things. Time to ask for those things. And it was just one day after the eclipse. And so a lot of us were in the depths of energetically and emotionally processing. And then we got this kind of demand from Sirius to be like, hey, show up to your needs. And for some of us, that might have come really effortlessly. For others of us, that might have felt demanding. That might have felt like, you know, especially if we are not used to putting our needs first, that might have felt confronting. That might have felt overwhelming. But again, I want to emphasize this because I think many of us think like, oh, everything I felt last week was just from the eclipse. But really, I think a lot of what we were feeling over the weekend was this serious direct in this call to really lean into our needs. I also feel the need to mention that Sirius is an asteroid that tells the story of human dependence and how we are born codependent and then we go through this phase of um, hyper-independence but that shadow of hyper-independence is isolation and then eventually we find the center ground with interdependence and like acceptance that networks of support are okay and necessary in the human experience and we don't need to go things alone and this the meaning behind this asteroid relates to the greek mythology of the mother Ceres, and um oh why am i forgetting the daughter's name let me google it real quick it might be persephone who goes and marries the god of the underworld, Hades. And when this happens, winter unfolds because Ceres is so sad to lose her daughter that she's, she's the ruler of earth. So when she's so sad, everything on earth kind of dies and loses its, its leaves. And then in spring, they made a negotiation that her daughter would come back. And when her daughter came back from the underworld, then it was spring. And I think so many of us felt that shift of spring this week. And it was almost like Ceres' daughter returned yeah, Persephone, returned from the underworld. And it's, of course, this symbol of returning and reunion and joy and celebration and light. But it's also this 
moment of recognizing that it's okay for things to be kind of a collaboration. It's okay for things to be a little bit of a compromise, right? Like the three of them compromised for Persephone to live half of the year in the underworld and then half of the year in the overworld. I don't know, the world. (laughs) And I'm really getting this theme of negotiation and collaboration and and knowing that those things are okay and those things are you know an essential part of the living okay that is what we went through last week it was big it was big it was big it was big and i think if there's one thing i want to leave all of you off with is that it's really easy during an eclipse for us to get, it feels like we're getting thrown off our path, right? Because suddenly if like we wanted to prioritize all of these things, the eclipse comes in and we have to deprioritize it to just like show up and process. And it can feel like life knocked you off. But in fact, eclipses are the complete opposite. Eclipses are here to get us back onto our path. And so anything that the eclipse knocked off for you, just really recognizing that like that was done for a reason, that that was truly not a priority. And of course, now we are going to get back into regular kind of functioning of life, work, routines, but taking a beat before you load everything back onto your plate and really assessing like, okay, of all the things to get knocked off, as I had to deprioritize things to show up and process, why was that maybe the thing that had to get knocked off versus this other thing that I still kind of showed up for? And maybe you don't even realize what you deprioritized in nuance. Maybe you know like, oh, I had to not work as hard or I had to sleep more. But like in order to have that time of rest what exactly did you remove from your plate? And what does that tell you about where you are being guided onto your more true path and where you are are really ready to karmically release something that you maybe as like recent as last week you were super attached to. And then once you've done that, this is essential. This is like 100% of essential assignment I'm giving to everyone who's listening is after that give yourself a moment this week to mark an ending of that eclipse whether it's putting on music and just like dancing in your room for 20 minutes whether it's going out with friends and not checking your phone and just getting the laughs do something of levity to help you signal to your body that that intensity has ended because even today monday may 8th i do feel a lift of the eclipse like i i do feel that it has lifted or it's lifting but it's so easy when we get thrown off our path for our ego to be like i lost control and i feel heavy and there's all this inner work to do and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and whatever the storyline is it's so easy to stay in that wounded state and i really 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 require every single one of you listening this week to find something of levity 
Not because life is always easy, not because we're going to spiritually bypass anything you're genuinely still moving through, but just to signal to your body that you're safe. Just to signal to your body that it is safe to play. It is safe to open. That is essential, especially after the final bang of Scorpio. Because Scorpio can be dark, it can be mystic, it can be intense, it can struggle to fully feel the light because of how deep it goes. I imagine like the very depths of the ocean that are like pitch black. Scorpio can get held there sometimes. And so by giving yourself this activity to kind of flush light through your system, it's going to help you come back to this zone of actual centeredness rather than just habitually staying in the shadow. Okay, moving forward into what's up next in the universe. This week we have Venus entering Cancer. And that happened yesterday, May 7th. Well, yesterday for me, May 7th at 10:24 a.m. Eastern. I'm a little like I I have mixed emotions about this transit because it marks the end of my Venus return, which I also welcome because Venus returns can surprisingly be very intense because they're here to help us reclaim love and beauty and abundance. But in reclaiming it, we really see where we are far from it, where we have lost grasp of it. So, well, yeah, I'm like, oh, my Venus return is ending. I think I, even just in one day, I'm like, no, I feel that intensity has lifted. We recently have had Venus in Gemini. Venus in Gemini is about collaboration and, but collaboration through like debate and play and um, like intelligence and uh, embracing chaos and the mess that is beauty. So that is where we have been. And we are now moving into Venus and Cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon. It's about softness. It's about divine feminine energy. It can be about mothering. But really, 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 what I think is going to be the biggest theme of Venus and Cancer is tapping in to heal our relationship to our sensitivity. I've heard a few people talking about this in the last year of my sensitivity is my superpower, permission for you to be sensitive, right? I've seen a few creators and healers that I enjoy really having that conversation on a consistent big scale. And I enjoyed it. But I never really felt super called to have that conversation with you, with my community as well. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But even in the last 24 hours of Venus being in Cancer, I have witnessed people around me be so saddened and frustrated by their own sensitivity. And as a friend and as a loved one, it... Oh, I'm like still figuring out how to hold space for it because I'm just so on this other side of like, but that's your gift. That's your gift. That's that's what makes you amazing. And all you need to do is learn how to work with it and regulate it. And when you are someone who's in their gifts as a sensitive, 
yeah, you have to be more specific about what works for you and what your boundaries are and what you want and how you feel. And sometimes it might hurt to admit that being around a certain person doesn't ultimately make you feel good. Sometimes it can be really scary to admit that doing a certain career doesn't leave you with energy and it leaves you feeling very raw and emotionally volatile. And when Venus is in Cancer, we're going to be asked to face that in our lives. Where are you resisting where you're sensitive? Because it might be hard to admit what you need, or it might be challenging to fully lean into the boundaries that you being sensitive requires. But when Venus is in Cancer, and when we lean into and embrace that sensitivity, by tending to our nervous system, by tending to our energy body, there's such a beauty that opens up. There is something that... I was thinking last night about how we are... We have been created, I believe, by a higher power, a source, a benevolent source of some kind. And it's so interesting that we have been created by the source, and I believe that we also have a fragment of that source within us. We call it soul. But what soul is, is a piece of the source that created us, that is forever within us, and we can pull on it to also create things. And I just love this web of like, we were created and we have a piece of that creative energy. And so we create things that then have impact, that then foster community that then change the way the world thinks I mean whatever it is and for those of you that have businesses or passion projects or you know you're really connected in with the purpose of your work even if you're not an entrepreneur you know by technical definition I think we all feel this like we feel our work as our baby and this, this thing that we have to nurture and help grow so it can exist in the world because it's, it's here to do something. It's here to have impact. And when Venus enters cancer and we admit and embrace the true sensitive nature of who we are, we suddenly have so much more energy to give to whatever we are here to nurture and grow in the world whether it's literal children whether it's a passion project a purpose project a a creative project i mean they're all really one and the same and so know that while venus is in cancer this is your time and and dive into the shadow work of your sensitivity but do it knowing that you're doing it to foster the thing that you're bringing out into the world And just so all of you know, Venus will be in Cancer until June 5th. And then on June 5th, Venus enters Leo. So really lean into that for the next month. The last thing that I want to bring up this week, this week doesn't have too much going on, but Mercury goes direct on May 14th, Sunday, May 14th. 
and Mercury has been retrograde in Taurus. I think I've talked about it a good amount if you've been listening along each week. But when Mercury goes direct, we will be releasing the intense experience of chaos. However, the wisdom, the medicine of the retrograde is not fully over because then we are going to be in the post-shadow period. The post-shadow period is our time of integration. But I'll get into that more in next week's episode. For this week, I want you to really lean into the rest of Mercury retrograde and know that whatever chaos that comes up in Mercury retrograde is a mirror for you to understand where you can realign to evolve with more ease in better functioning. Mercury is all about the functioning. So with Mercury retrograde in Taurus for this last week, I've noticed it's really not about like the tech glitches or, um, you know, the cliche Mercury retrograde moments. But I've noticed this retrograde is more about our internal values, what we prioritize. And if there's anything really like technical going on, it's money. So if you've noticed anything weird with your bank accounts or payments or like randomly um, a yoga studio where I teach didn't pay me on time, which is so unlike them, it's never happened before. But it was this moment of like, am I going to act from my worth in terms of money? Because the past version of me like totally wouldn't have said anything because I would have thought maybe it would come off as rude and um, it would have, it just, I I didn't feel worthy fully of it. So I would have acted from that unworthy place. But during this Mercury retrograde, when I randomly didn't get paid on time, I just reached out immediately because that was acting from worth and just said, hey, I didn't get my paycheck today. If I'm missing something or if I got the date incorrect, please let me know. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. And it got sorted within 48 hours and I ended up, you know, being, it was fine and got paid. But it was really, I saw this Mercury retrograde moment of being tested from the universe of, are you going to act from a place of worth here? Can you come in and work with your finances with a little bit more intention? Because then from there, that that ignited a whole thing of, oh, you know what? I like to I like to make reports each month about my money, both for business, but I also think it's meaningful to do on a personal level. And I was avoiding some of them. And when this payment didn't come through on the date and time it was supposed to, and it required me to stand up and act from my worth in order to get it, it created this whole experience of, oh, where else am I not acting from a place of worthiness? And it was a Friday night, and it was I was going to meet some friends afterwards for dinner and for drinks. And it was, I was going to meet them at 9.30 and literally at 7 p.m. on a Friday night, I just sat down and I did a like financial recap and review for myself looking back at March and April because I do it at the end of each month, but at the end of March, I was acting from, I, I was overcome by this illusion of unworthiness and I didn't want to look I didn't want to review my finances I was like I don't know I paid all my bills I don't want I don't want to go back and look I don't want to see the bigger picture of what's going on and so I didn't do it in all of April it was really bothering me it was on the top of my to-do list every single day every 
every day of April and I didn't do it. And then by the end of April, I was like, okay, I cannot go two months without doing this. There's clearly something going on here. And it was with this Mercury retrograde where I didn't get paid on time that then I was like, let me sit down. It's a Friday night at 7 p.m. My ego wants to tell me I shouldn't be working right now or that this can wait. But in reality, I'm not actually doing anything right now. And I do have Friday night plans that I can hop right into afterwards and have a lot of fun with. So I'm going to sit down as the sun is setting on a Friday night and just act from a place of worth with my finances. I think it's really interesting this happened on a Friday too, now that I'm putting it together, because each day of the week is ruled by a planet and Fridays are ruled by Venus. Venus is the planetary ruler of Taurus, where we now have Mercury retrograde. So you can see it's just so cool how they all, it's all interconnected. So of course, this experience for me was that I'm giving the example of was with finances. Maybe you have had something similar where you were triggered and really I want you to know it's not because you're bad with money, it's not because you're doomed with money, or you know maybe your finances are fine, but Taurus also relates to work and feeling purposeful and feeling connected to our work. And when we're purposeful and connected to our work, it shows with a really healthy work ethic. So maybe you felt your work ethic just really feel out of alignment and disconnected with your work, whatever it was, I want you to know it's not because you're bad. It's not because you're doomed. It's literally the universe mirroring something back to you that you are ready to transform. And the universe would not have mirrored it back to you if you were not consciously ready. Mercury is a very cognitive planet. Whereas say like Pluto is way more about the subconscious. Mercury is very conscious. It's very technical. I see I intentional, you know, it's like, I was talking about this on a story recently over at Urban Buddha, but so many of us love shadow work and subconscious work. And whether that's done through hypnosis or Reiki or theta healing, whatever it may be. And we kind of get lost in this digging, right? It's like, I got to dig. But really, the most powerful shadow work that happens is the shadow work where we just look directly and consciously name what we're avoiding. I'm avoiding um, cleaning out under my bed, right? And when we, because there are things we know we're avoiding and we just quietly let it go to the back burner, right? Somewhere between the conscious and subconscious mind of, okay, I'm going to do that. It's not totally forgotten, but I'm just not going to think about that on the day-to-day. When Mercury goes retrograde, we reaccess that zone. And so especially during Mercury retrograde, it's about going into the things that you know you're avoiding. You don't need to dig. You don't, you can do the hypnosis. I I mean, I love them. I'm not going to say don't do it, but Make sure you're balancing the hypnosis, the Reiki, the theta, the you know the deep, deep, deep subconscious digging with like what's just right there on the surface that you know you're avoiding. And avoidance is the sign of shadow. Avoidance is the signal that there's some sort of shame. When we feel shameful we, of something, we avoid it. 
right? Like one of the things under my bed that I need to clean out is this blanket that I was trying to be creative and make and I felt like bad at it. So I just totally abandoned it. And now it's sitting under my bed as a symbol of like, I'm avoiding how uncreative and how unskilled I worry that I might be. And I shame myself for the fact that maybe I might be unskilled or uncreative. And when I clear that shame and when I recognize like, yep, I'm avoiding what's under there and what's under there is this blanket, which represents this, then it's like, okay, let me pull the blanket out. Let me, let me release shame. Let me have fun with it again. Let me actually admit maybe I am creative and I am skilled, but I just don't like knitting blankets. This is just not my vibe, you know? So this is the power of Mercury retrograde. This is why I have an entire course on it. Because Mercury retrograde gives us access to these things that we are actually really, really, really ready to act on. And sometimes when we do that intense subconscious digging, we're not actually fully ready to process and work through some of the things which is why they're lodged in our subconscious. And of course, it's important to clear out. I'm imagining this like garage that is packed to the brim with stuff that just like needs to be gotten rid of. And when we do subconscious work, we really want to like just work into it one foot at a time, right? We open the door, it's packed up to the door and we just like take things out one at a time. And when we overemphasize the subconscious digging it's like we're running and leaping into the middle and we're trying to throw things from the middle out to the front and it's getting chaotic and we might have hurt ourselves landing there and there's tons of dust and we're coughing because there's no flow of air and it's just creating more of a mess because it's not actually getting out it's just landing like closer to the door versus when we just admit what we're avoiding that's when we just open the door and we grab the first thing in front of us and we assess what to do with it and then we grab the thing after that was behind that thing and we assess where to put it and then we assess the thing behind that thing and again we pull it out and it's this more organic clearing so really, really, really the point of this whole tangent is this path, this next week, this current week we're in, show up to what you're avoiding. Look at where the subconscious is mirroring things back to you that might be a little uncomfortable and trust that the universe would not do that unless you were ready. I'm imagining like, okay, you're methodically taking things out of the garage and then suddenly as you're moving one thing, something behind it collapses and it's a little like uncomfortable and scary and loud for a second and you're like, whoa, this feels a little dangerous, but it lands and you look at it and you're like, okay, and then you take that thing out, you know? So the Mercury retrograde is this beautiful time of leaning into this balanced inner work, this balanced shadow work that's in the zone between the conscious and subconscious and sometimes it will make noise sometimes it'll feel uncomfortable but this but mercury retrogrades never give us anything we aren't ready to handle okay i will leave it at that for this week 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. These episodes are so cathartic for me. They are so therapeutic. So I hope they are for you too. If you want to follow along for more, make sure you join on Instagram at starstruck2 underscores astrology, as well as TikTok. I'm figuring myself out on TikTok. <laughs> it's gonna, it's nothing wild there yet, but um, but join. It's it's a good time. And um, like I said, please, I would love if you subscribe to this podcast, leave a five star review. Share this episode with a friend, put it on your story and tag me so I can reshare it. I always love to see them. And if you're ready to dig into yourself more using the tool of astrology, I would love to host a birth chart reading for you. And you can scroll down into the show notes and book that reading for yourself. It's 90 or 75 minutes together, and I give you the recording to keep forever. We dive into all the core parts of your chart and there's just, it's such an activation. It's such a reclamation of being able to actually see yourself and confirm all these parts of yourself that maybe you wonder about or you feel called towards, but you doubt or you're not sure or, you know, all of the dialogue that happens that prevents us from fully embodying and being ourselves birth chart readings are this amazing confirmation of like yes you are meant to do that thing yes that thing you went through really was that intense yes people really do see you this way and you can lean into that and play with that and whenever people sign off of birth chart readings like both of us are just buzzing and i do a follow-up call two weeks to a month afterwards with everyone who books a birth chart reading and just the permission, the way the permission of a birth chart reading escalates the process of your becoming is incredible to witness. So if you're ready to dive into that, scroll into the show notes, book a reading, and I cannot wait to sit and just be with you. Other than that, I will see you next week.